I'm Evan Smith, the CEO of the Texas Tribune, all 51 years of me. Um, I want to welcome you to this extended conversation with the mayor of Dallas, the Honorable Mike Rawlings. There is never a bad time to be with the mayor, who's in his second term leading the state's third largest and the nation's ninth largest city, but this is an especially good time. For the entire political year, certainly for the entire 85th legislative session, we've been consumed by a roiling battle between municipalities and the state, between mayors, particularly big city mayors, and the governor and state lawmakers. What they're fighting over is local control. There was just a panel on this subject before, uh, before us uh, here today. Who gets to make decisions about things like bathroom access, bag bans, ride hailing, sanctuary cities, tree removal, and property tax rates? Mayor Rawlings has been among the chief executives pushing back the hardest and the loudest over what he sees as a challenge to the old Jeffersonian idea that the government closest to the people <coughs> serves the people best. But there are plenty of other things besides local control to talk about with the mayor, who previously served as Dallas's homeless czar for five years and before that spent more than 30 years in the private sector, including stints as CEO of Pizza Hut, the world's largest pizza company, and CEO of the Tracy Lock ad agency, at the time the largest such agency in the South. A native of Borger, that's how you know I live in Texas, I pronounced that properly, right? The mayor is a graduate of Boston College. Please join me in welcoming the Honorable Mike Rawls. Mr. Mayor, thank you for being here. Thank you, Adam. So there are a lot of uh, narrow verticals I want to talk about, but I want to start by going broad uh, and to talk about your tenure as mayor. I was shocked to discover, and this is not the first time we've done this, that you have now been in office for more than six years. Six years and three months and, uh, you June, know. June 2011 and, and re-elected. Uh, so let me ask the presidential campaign cycle question. Is Dallas better off than it was six years ago? There's no question. I, whether it's better off because I was there is, an, is, a, is a reasonable question. But it is so much better. If you don't mind, though, I want to just do a shout-out to the state of Texas because of Hurricane Harvey. Good. Well, what, I want to ask you about Harvey, but go ahead and do it now if you want to. I, I just am... am, right. am and, and let me just use that as an example to answer your question. Fantastic. Okay? Yeah. Uh, Dallas responded much better to Hurricane Harvey than we did with Katrina. And we were able to mobilize. We were able to you get. You just closed your big shelter. We just did. Yeah. We had nearly 4,000 people there. Yeah. Uh, we had a medical center of uh, 500 uh, uh, medical professionals, a, a, a pharmacy. Uh, daycare, religious services. I mean, it was a little city. And we yeah. were able to respond better because of learning. But I'm really impressed with what uh, Sylvester Turner did, the mayor of Houston. Uh, I was impressed with the governor, what he did. I yep. think he did a great job. Uh, I think the president did a good job. So, you know, it was like, okay, America, we can do this. Not a moment for politics. It's not a moment yeah, for disagreement. We can, we can do this. And right. so um, I just wanted to make sure I sure, captured sure. that. Come back to this question of Dallas. So yeah. specifically, if Dallas is better than it was six years ago, why? And if there are things that are not better that you hoped would be better, why not? What are the obstacles to that? Well, GDP is at an all-time high. Yeah. Uh, we have created more jobs uh, than uh, we've ever had in the city of Dallas. Or we were able to uh, last year um, uh, create uh, over a billion dollars of new start in just one year, okay, uh, of construction starts. Right. Um, uh, a remarkable amount of, uh, of, uh, of people moving into the city. I'm talking about just the city of Dallas. Right. Forget about DFW. Forget about the region. Okay. 
And lastly, I just saw new numbers that our poverty level is starting to come down over the last three years. Let me pick pick two of those things just to call out specifically and ask you more about those. So you said all these new jobs have been created. I'm hearing presidents over the years and other people saying in my ear, government doesn't create jobs, mayors don't create jobs, presidents don't create jobs, business creates jobs. What conditions that you can have some responsibility for allow for businesses to create jobs. In other words, you didn't create those jobs. That's right. But what happened in the city over the last six years that allowed for that environment to, to, to take place? I think two things. Yeah. First of all, creating an environment of moving speed to market uh, uh, quickly. Yep. Uh, get businesses going, uh, show people that we are not going to get them entangled. Good kind of less government stuff in yep. the city of Dallas. Well, having been a man in business for so many years, right, you understand that there are imperatives for people in business and they make choices to about where to locate their businesses yep. and where to create jobs. So you want to create conditions in the city that are friendly to business. Time is money, right. and we want to make sure they make as much money as they can yep. because they're going to be employing people and then passing it on to that. Right. The second thing is I think we're a much more interesting city to live in and work in now. How's that? Okay. We've got more uh, uh, growth in our neighborhoods, more parks than we've ever had. We've spent uh, probably um, uh, close to over a billion dollars in quality of life things just in the city of Dallas between uh, our arts district, uh, Clyde Warren Park. Uh, We've got now four new parks coming in downtown, a major park uh, along the Trinity River. Further south, we've got a deck park uh, that we were trying to imitate what we did to Clyde Warren Park. And each of these neighborhoods are finding themselves a, a better place to live in. Right. So what most cities in the country have done, which is to figure out how to make it attractive to the creative class, attractive to millennials, attractive to families, figure out how to attract people back into the inner core of the city, this is something that you've made yeah, a I conscious decision. I think we're legitimate yeah. uh, uh, contenders for Amazon right. okay, because of what you just said. Now, where you're talking about Amazon potentially being is in South Dallas, right? Southern, Southern Well, Dallas. I'll tell you, one of the places yeah. is south of downtown, and we've got a great piece of land there. Uh, we've got a great place of uh, land in, uh, on 635 and the tollway uh, where the old Valley View shopping center is. Op- options. Uh, op- options. Options are going to be very important to them. Right. And if you look at DFW, we're going to have more options than I think anybody in the nation. So I interviewed your, your uh, fellow mayor of a big city, in fact, of a bigger city, San Antonio, Ron Nuremberg, the other week. And this was right after the Amazon announcement. San Antonio had said, we're going to totally put it. And I was like, Mayor, your airport sucks. I probably said it exactly that way, too. Um, you're, mean, like, you're mean. Well, but, but, I, but also, PolitiFact would rate that true. I mean, the, rea- <laughs> the, the, the fact is, AT&T left San Antonio for Dallas in part because of the airport. There have been other instances where businesses have left San Antonio because of the airport. And Amazon has made clear that one of their priorities is we have to be in the vicinity of a world-class airport. Well, you've got DFW. Not only DFW, I, I happen Field. to like Love Field personally. I am a personal Love Field partisan. So. Yeah, no, we got two airports, right. and only uh, I think our our partnership in those two airports is even better than Chicago's. What are you willing to do? You know, this is a big. I live in a city where previous mayors, well, the current mayor too, but previous mayors particularly, and I'm thinking about now State Senator Kirk Watson when he was mayor of Austin. Uh, you know, got crosswise with some of the people who liked him before and who voted for him. <clears throat> because of his willingness to support economic incentives, we're going to bring a lot of business here. People say, wait a minute, it's like corporate welfare, you're giving money away to people who don't need it. So there's always a conversation around the idea of what isn't, is not appropriate to offer to business. What are you willing to do for Amazon? To get, well, for, first, give us the bill of particulars. 
first of all, I think it's an important thing what we're willing to do is to put Dallas second in DFW first in this first round, okay? We're sell all, the region. We've got to sell the region, right. all right? That's what they've asked us to do. What you do is you listen to a customer and deliver exactly what they've done. So, so Mayor Price and I, and I was on the phone with 15 other mayors yesterday, yep. and we were talking about selling the region. The I other 13 mayors, are, or 15 mayors, are in the re- region. Plano. We right. were all, and it was like, wow, we right. can come together, and we're going to sell the region because we do that. Yep. Second is we're going to be as aggressive as the next guy in the city of Dallas. Uh, it, this is a game changer. Yep. Uh, this, uh, they're talking about 100 acres, uh, you know, um, uh, 50,000 people. I mean, this is a true game changer. And I think Texas is perfectly located. I, uh, the governor is putting together an incentive package that will match Ron's and mine and, and uh, Mayor Adler's uh, pitch. So the governor will not pick a winner or loser in this case necessarily. He won't back one city's plan. That's what we've been told, that, right. that he wants to be aggressive, right. put a, a, a pitch with it, and then let us right. see who is going to get to the next. So in the way that Rick Perry in the last X number of years of his governorship used to travel around to other states and pickpocket businesses from other governors, that was kind of his M.O., and he would sell low taxes, predictable regulation, and tort reform, among other benefits of locating a business in Texas. Theoretically, what the governor is going to offer from his end are the same blessings of doing business in Texas, and then that'll be augmented by what you can offer well, and, quality of life stuff. And check. And now, but, but won't that be won't that be subject to some criticism? Because again, there's been a big fight at the legislature over economic incentives. Uh, your regional uh, uh, political colleague Connie Burton from Fort Worth. She will, you know, she will just go bananas over any attempt. I mean, she may not be successful at this, but she's been loudest among the people who hates economic incentives, does not want the state to be doing this, and the state has actually taken its budget for doing such things down pretty significantly. So you think the money might be available anyway? Well, first of all, I think it's got to be if we're going to compete. Got to be serious. We've got to be serious. This is a, this is a company that is well run and is about the pennies. Right. Okay. Uh, second is you've got those issues on the left and the right, right. people that uh, don't want to do that. And the reason they don't is maybe philosophical, but they just see that we don't spend them appropriately. So it's, yeah. it's how it's used. So I can't argue it sometimes. But fundamentally, you've got to decide, are you going to grow or not? Yeah. Okay? And when a customer says, I'm willing to, to, to come and bring 50,000 employees, what are you going to do for me? Yeah. That's a fair transaction. You spend on the front end to get 10x or 20x on the back end. That would be, by anybody's standards, a pretty good deal. It's all about ROI. If you've been in and, business. Right? And you've got to look at that ROI. They're concerned also about workforce, right? They're concerned about other people in the region or the city who are proper Amazon employees from a cultural standpoint. Mm-hmm. You feel like you've got that as well. Well, right? you know, tech has been in our DNA uh, since... Uh, uh, Texas Instruments created the tech boom. Right. Okay? EDS came in and did that, and it still is out there. We have um, more tech. We've got three times the many tech employees than the city of Austin, just to give you a sense. Almost as much as Houston and Austin together. Right. Right? And yet Austin has the reputation. And it, they got the reputation. Right. We almost have as many as Seattle when we ranked it up. So we've got already... The, the, the workforce, and now we just have uh, the, the university systems, 
and we're going to be able to provide that for the Before next we leave this year. subject, what is the city willing to do financially? Put a number on this. Are you I, willing I, to commit resources, financial resources, to match or to augment what the state commits? Evan, I'm not going to tell you that. Okay? Really? Because this is, we've all made a promise that this is going to be confidential, okay? Yeah. And uh, we're going to be sending that pitch to... Uh, to Seattle. But you are going to be, you are, there will be a number inside that company. Oh, no question. Page. Okay, very good. No question. Um, let me, uh, you addressed Harvey, and I thought you did so thoughtfully and respectfully. Um, that was, you know, whatever that was, Category 4 when it hit here. Uh, local control has been a Category 4 storm politically of its own, has it not? <laughs> and we've weathered it well. Well, it made landfall uh, in January. Um, uh, and it really does touch, I listed a bunch of things. I mean, I was interested to see the discussion of the Confederate statues, uh, 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 which has consumed all of us of late, and the Confederate statues specifically, the Lee statue coming down in Dallas, um, which you refer to, you refer to those statues generally as monuments of propaganda. I want to come back to that. State Representative Pat Fallon of Frisco, who is now seeking a Senate seat running against Craig Estes of Wichita Falls in the legislature, last week in response to the statue coming down, first of all, called you a coward. And second of all, said, I'm going to file the Texas Historical Protection Act to prevent the removal of such statues. And I thought, everything is a local control issue now, right? He thinks that the cities are not in a position to manage their own business as it relates to this. What do you think about that? Are you a coward? Um, <laughs> he is a, he's part of a large group that feels that I am, so yeah. I'll let them well, speak. But, 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 but explain yourself as far as this issue goes. Oh, you mean where I came on it? Yeah, I mean... Right. Well, first of all, I don't think case. it's a mayor's decision to make, all right? Yeah. Uh, the mayor sets the tone, and I think the city needs to kind of ultimately make that decision. That's why we put together a task force, yeah. and that's why we... Can it fairly be said, Mr. Mayor, that the city made this decision? No question. Okay. We voted 13 to 2 to take the, uh, this down at city. But those, are, but those are council members who voted. I'm asking you, well, if you polled the city of Dallas, would yeah, there be a comparable margin? I've seen polls. You have, okay. okay. And so it's basically 30% wanted it down, 70% wanted it to, we, to build a museum around it to talk about slavery, okay, a compromise, right. okay? Very few people wanted to just stay, stay in there. So, so, 13, so 13 to 2 wanted it down, but only 30% of the public wanted it down, and you went with the council, not the public. Yes. And the question is? Well, I mean, ask your you question that, well, that you asked uh, uh, Speaker Strauss about: Do you do what the public wants, or do you do what's right? Well, I, actually, that was the questioner's point, but you're fair. It's a fair point. So you do what's right in this case. Of course, you do. Right. And 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 you know what those other folks were saying is: I don't feel good about it the way it is. Can we recontextualize it? All right. It was very hard to recontextualize after Charlotte, uh, Charlottesville. Yeah. When you saw those men with those torches creating that much hatred over that totem, you knew it was coming again. And so for the safety of Dallas, I believed it was the right thing to, to take it down. Where it goes from this point and how do we recontextualize not it? Not decided. Is not decided. You have any thoughts about what should happen? I, I do. What I would do. be under the heading of what's right in that case? Well, first of all, I think what, what is right is what uh, a lot of people that think I'm a coward think is right, and that is to tell history. We, we can't forget history, and I agree with them 100%, but let's tell history really the way it right. happened, okay? Yeah. And let's talk about the Civil War and slavery. Let's talk about Texas's role in the Civil War and slavery and the amount of slaves 
that was the, America's greatest sin. There was yep. no question at all. And those sins kind of come back to, to, to bother the sons of the forefathers. Someone, I think, wrote in the New York Times a couple of weeks ago that the Civil War is a sleeping dragon that just rears his head every up once in a while and, right. just, and just fries us, okay? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what has happened. We, we've got to understand where we are in history. We can't act like today is the first day of a new world. It's it, got to be It's going to be. Is it fair, Mr. Mayor, to make a distinction between, on the one hand, acknowledging history, and on the other hand, choosing whom to celebrate? You know, that, that's what the president of this university did, actually, when the statues came down. I thought a, a pretty artful statement from President Fenvis. He took his statues down in the middle of the night, and um, he said, we, we do not choose our history, but we do choose whom we celebrate. Yeah. And that was yeah. the distinction that he made. If it, and by the way, everybody's free to celebrate whoever they want. Right. But when we have a public park that gets uh, city money, yep. it is the, the uh, onus of the city council to make that decision. Yeah, right. Properly placed. Okay. And, and, and what, let's just be real honest about how people feel on this. I think that 70, 65% of the people don't care either way, okay? Black or white, believe it or not. A lot of blacks were like, going, I don't care, okay? White people, I don't care, Okay. But on either poll, you got a lot of folks that are terrifically passionate about it. Well, that sounds like every issue exactly in America. Exactly. <laughs> right? Um, I want to tie this into the fact that we're now a year and a couple of months after July 7th. Um, you know, a day that the entire country had its eyes on Dallas and wished Dallas well and understood that, uh, you know, if we didn't already know it, that we have a question uh, to be litigated about race and law enforcement and racial relations in this country and, and all that. So now we're 14 months or so odd later. What have you learned? Because I actually was interested in the Lee statue and the Confederate statue's question against the backdrop of what Dallas had been through over the preceding 14 months. So where are you on race in Dallas? What progress have you made? What work has yet to be done? Talk about that. Well, first of all, race, we are a very polite city in Dallas. We're very nice people, okay? But the veneer is thin, and you can scratch the surface, and race is right underneath that. Okay. So any issue that comes up, it pops its head up from time to time. Uh, I do believe that um, because of community policing that was done before, because of the community relations that have been built, that we weathered the assassination of those officers very well. The city came together. Yep. We've, uh, 2017 is the year of unity for the city of Dallas, and we're having unity events all over. And I ask citizens to, to, to break bread and, and have lunch, go to Subway, go to Mexican with somebody that you don't know, okay, mm-hmm. and from a different part. And I think you're seeing that institutionally and personally there. Act two, suddenly, is this issue of, of these statues where, where I'm, you're starting to learn this. And for the first time, I feel that, that older, by the way, this is a generational issue too. Younger people say this is a no-brainer. It needs to go. Okay. Older folks are like much more divided on this. Right? And um, as, 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 as I kind of look at it, for the first time, I feel that um, uh, Anglos, feel in the minority, okay? Which you don't want them to feel alienated, but yet blacks have felt in the minority forever. And so it was like, okay, there's a learning moment here, okay? 
We're all going to learn about how we all feel each other. Now, can we treat each other with respect and get to a better place before it? But uh, this, is a, this is a tough thing. And by the way, Dallas, okay, is not just the city of Dallas. Dallas has got this thing called the Park Cities in the middle of it, right. okay, which a lot of people have opinions in the Park Cities about this, <laughs> and, and Frisco, and Richardson, and uh, We're Garland, back to talking about a region. A region it's regional, it's so the, yeah. the passion is not just in the city of right. Dallas. Is there anything particular? I mean, obviously, racial issues have come up at various times in various places around this country. Charlottesville, you referenced, of course, is the most extreme example of that of late. But this is not new. It's happening all over the country. Is Dallas any different? Is Dallas any more susceptible or more vulnerable for any reason, Mr. Mayor? Or is Dallas, on the converse side of that, any better positioned to deal with it responsibly? Well, in many ways, because of we've got a, a, a city of immigrants, if you will. Yep. Uh, I make speeches and ask people to show, uh, raise their hand if they were born and raised in Dallas, and I get... 10 or 15%. Everybody comes from someplace right. else, okay? Right. So I think we're better there. We're not, we don't have this sense of, of been fighting on this issue. Everybody's saying, let's get on with this. Um, uh, I think we are not as well positioned because of our history of not having historically black colleges in, 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 in the Dallas area. Of course, you have Paul Quinn. I know yeah, it's small, but, Paul, but, but it's a small but, one. But, but that was Bishop College. Right. We moved Paul Quinn from, from a town and came up here, yeah. but we didn't have Texas Southern. Atlanta's got so many great historically black. So you have educated African Americans that matriculated through those schools that are entering in this uh, discussion. And we, that's, a, that's a tough issue. One, my biggest issue in Dallas that you haven't asked about is education. Yeah, well, we'll, it's for we'll, the we'll get there. But no, I'm just using yeah. it as an example. Yeah. And there are huge racial divides on this education issue. Right. And it just blows me away that we're not more right. unified. Well, since you brought it up, let me just acknowledge that one of my favorite statistics to talk in front of groups about, and I always cite it, and in fact, one time I had the opportunity to have Mike Hinojosa, the superintendent, in the front row, and I fact-checked it with him right there because I can't believe it when I say it, that the Anglo enrollment in the Dallas Independent School District today is less than 5%. This is not the Texas of the future. This is not demographic change is coming. It is the change that's here. Correct. Right? The diversity of the education system creates its own opportunities and challenges. Are you in sufficiently in control of that system? Do you have the power, the means to fix it? Do you need the state to do more? Who should be in there with you? So there were about four or five questions there. Right. We right. have time. Um, that's the good news. We have time. <laughs> The, um, and first of all, you're right. I was in James Bowie Elementary yesterday with third graders, all right? And um, 95% were Latino, okay? I saw three black kids and four white kids, Yeah. okay? Yeah. I said, this is happening right now, all right? And, and what we deal with this is really the, uh, the issue which you're, you ask about about the role of leadership, in right? This. Because leaders, we're going to be fine in Texas for right now. We're yep. going to be fine in Dallas for the next four or five years. The question is, the decision we make now, we're going to set us up for the next twenty years. Absolutely. And that's where leadership cannot go around just asking everybody's opinion. What do you want to do? It's got to create a new model to get us there. And I do not believe our school systems, the way they're set up today 
are the right model. Who owns, who owns that problem? That's the issue. Nobody. Okay? You have a school board that 4,000 people vote and elect an individual you know, uh, that, that uh, takes a huge part of a billion-dollar budget, and suddenly the whole situation, uh, uh, the, the narrative is created by that vote. And so we, you've got, look, you've, politics are local. You've got to kind of push it at the local level, and you've yep. got to get the right folks on it. As you know, uh, three years ago, I created a movement and, or, or supported a movement uh, for home rule. Right. Uh, and I believed that we are all home rule cities and that the state has their role, but we as a city should determine what we do. That's exactly the same thing that should happen at the right. school board level. It died because people wanted the state in charge. They wanted the state to set the working uh, right. um, uh, um, kind of contract with um, the, the hours we, we teach, the way we do it, the way we measure, and the way people get paid. Um, I am a big believer that let the marketplace bear. Let's, let's us get together to build the best school system. By the way, because of that, a lot of things got passed in Dallas that we're at the forefront of now, and we're making terrific progress. I'm very proud of the school board now and on what they're doing with teacher incentives, what yep. they're doing about public school choice, what they're doing. We've got the fewest, uh, the, we've got very few needs improvement schools. You, you, can, act, you can check From the accountability mine, standpoint. Okay? Yep. And ours are going down and the states are going up, so I'm feeling very good about that. But... We need the state to fix finance, uh, school finance. I mean, there's no question it's the big issue. The governor told me they would do it this next session. I hope he does. I know the speaker wants to do it. Let's get on with this issue because it's, it's, it's just driving me crazy that the future of Texas is going to go down the tubes because we don't take action now. It, it occurs to me I did not look up uh, your recapture number. Uh, you know, the city of Houston, very famously of late, has had a huge recapture controversy mm-hmm. They were able to cut a deal effectively with the state to pay a, a smaller payment. I live in a city, Austin, where you hear from people all over the city about the recapture problems that we have. We're sending so much money elsewhere to... Dallas has turned into a recapture district now. Yeah. Okay? And Anything wrong with that? Shouldn't we be helping communities that have less and have fewer resources available? I have no problem with that. Right. The problem is the pie is too small to begin with. Right. Okay? We have to invest in education. Any, any company, any successful organization, any successful state puts their money towards the future and make, becoming... I figured this out as a city. To be a great city, you have to be young and you have to be smart, okay? Right. I'm probably neither, but, <laughs> but that's what you got to do. you got to be able to attract young, smart people. And why we're not doing that? And so we had a, a, board, a, a DIC Board of Trustees um, a vote just recently that was trying to get the citizens to vote on a TRE to increase revenue for the school. TRE for the benefit of people in the room is, the acronym stands for what? Yeah, I knew you'd ask me that. Uh, Revenue. uh, I'm guessing that the R. Tax revenue. Election. Election. That's what it was. I couldn't get the E. It was like that Perry thing. Oops. I can't remember the third one. Yeah, election. Of course, he came to own that third one. You now may... You may now be the I know, I know. Right. So you, you may now be the chief tax collector for the city of Dallas after this. So. Right. 
All right, so. So what happened right. is it failed last time, and I made a big deal. Everybody said, shut up, stop, you know, making people mad, right? Mm -hmm. So I shut up. And so we, I thought we had enough votes on the, uh, the board, and we didn't. We, we let, missed it by four. Three of the Southern Dallas African-American trustees voted against it. Because? I don't know. I can't figure it out. It wasn't their idea. And it was the first time Southern Dallas Democrats would ever vote against a tax increase. You thought it would have been in their interest to support it. Well, most of the money was going to those schools. Oh, those communities, yeah. And so, but coming back to the race issue, yeah. suddenly it becomes a racial issue. Right. And, and that's, that's the gnarly stuff we're working yeah. through as a city. Let, let me come back to the race issue again. I have some other things I want to talk to about that are more specific to Dallas, but you've now brought up a couple times we're a city of immigrants, the race questions. And the question. Do you think President Trump owns any of what has happened over the last year as it relates to the conversation that we are having about race? Well, we Since all do. you say leadership matters. Yes. yes, we all do, and there's no question his reaction after Charlottesville uh, um, put already threw some more gasoline on this fire. But you think the fire was already up and running? Oh, no question. I mean, you can't. Right. I mean, you can't look at one person and say they're the problem with this. They Dallas, may not yeah. be the solution, but you don't right. say that it's the, that they're the only problem. Dallas is no more insulated from the effects of what happens outside of Dallas than any other city is. Right. The, the national stuff does trickle down and does seep into the conversation. There is a question, um, and race is one factor of it. This notion of America the way it was or the America the way it's going to be. Well, the whole premise of make America great again assumes that America is no longer great, which itself begs the question of when was America great and what does it say about the definition of great then? Right. But that right. doesn't fit on a T-shirt, okay? Or a hat. <laughs> or a hat, okay? Right. And Most of my questions and, don't. And, yeah, but you're right, yeah. and I think that's the question. Are we leaders that are going to look forward in America? Are we going to do that in Texas? Right. Texas, Jamie Dimon told me that Texas and Dallas, he'd been in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, he said, this is the way America used to be. He says, it's, it's aggressive, it's, we can make it happen, it's, right. it's, it's going that, you know, we're, we're, it, people are moving here to be right. part of the dream, it's an inclusive place, and he sees, he's not seeing that in other places. And right. I just hope... Texas doesn't get off the track and go into a gutter because right. of all this, excuse me, you know what word that's been happening in Austin. Well, let, let me offer you the counter position of that, not necessarily mine, but the counter that critics of the state might offer, Mr. Mayor, and that is that Texas is a state that just passed a bill banning sanctuary cities. Texas is a state that has middling performance on public education. Texas is a state that's not investing in the social and physical infrastructure of the future, that has the highest number of people without health insurance. I mean, there are some people who would come to to Dallas or to Texas and say, this is the way it should be and this is the future. And then there are some people who would say, in fact, Texas is not doing what it needs to do to build for, as you well know and as I know, a population that's going to double between now and 2050. Um, and, the state population is going to double from 28 million to 54 million by 2050. And the question is, is Texas doing enough on social and physical infrastructure to undergird that foundation? And you know, the great news is I believe we could. If we really came together like we did with Hurricane Harvey, okay, right. on these issues. It takes a crisis, though, doesn't it? It does, and, you know, everybody doesn't, politicians don't like to say it's a crisis, okay? Yeah. They don't. It's all under control. Everything's going to be okay. Right. But you know what? We have a, a, a crisis on, in that regards. But we need 
the, the folks on the edges just to kind of sit down and we'll give you your time to speak, and the folks in the middle to speak up right. and, and say, let's do this in an intelligent, thoughtful way. And I think we can, right. but it's hard. It, it takes leadership that, that is, not, is not dependent on the gerrymandering of the state, okay? which that's the way the state has been created. Uh, this weird gerrymandering, you, you, you drive to the extremes as opposed to the center. Yeah. I mentioned sanctuary cities, uh, Mr. Mayor. You, uh, oh, let's not forget, yeah. in that bill, they can take me, the Attorney General can take me out of office if I criticize the bill. Well, let me, let me, come, to, let me, let me come to this question of the, of the sanctuary cities bill from a couple of different angles. You and the city of Dallas joined the lawsuit. We did. Um, there are those who would say to you, Mr. Mayor, what do you have against the rule of law? I, we obey every law from the feds to the state, and we do it all the time. So then what's, every the, day. what's, the, what's the problem here? I, you're asking me? I am. Why do you object to this law? Because like the bathroom bill, we are now trying to create a law for the political face of it, versus solving a problem. We've got a lot of problems to solve. You and I just talked about a lot of them. Right. And we're spending all of our energy for politics not to solve problems. You don't think we have a problem, again, I'm not speaking in my own voice, but I'm speaking in yes, the voice of those who support the bill. You don't think we have a problem with illegal immigration, undocumented individuals in this country, public safety, that meet at the intersection of a need for some legislation like this? I was with you till the need for the legislation like this. We do have a problem on those yeah. things, yeah. okay? And that's why this legislation is so bad, because it is about immigration and public safety. So I, what do we want our police officers to do? Yes. We want them to be involved in the community, not to be federal ICE agents. And so that's why we say to them, look, let the feds take care of that, and whatever the feds ask us to do, we do. Yep. Okay? To the, 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 we dot every I and cross every T. But now we've got overreach, and we want you to make sure we're safe and make sure those people tell us what bad stuff is happening. So this piece of legislation actually makes it more unsafe. Uh, I, I, I just don't understand why... Um, uh, we've got to demonize people when we, this is not a fundamental flaw. Harvey in in Houston, Houston has got to be rebuilt from Harvey, will not be rebuilt without immigration labor. In fact, arguably, let me say it as an affirmative statement, the the 22% of the state, whatever the affected percentage of the state, is going to be rebuilt on the backs of undocumented labor, period, paragraph, right? There seems no not to be question. any disagreement about no that. No question. Right. And so it comes back to let's isolate the problems and the opportunities, right. not the chance of me getting uh, the primary nomination right. again. Well, part B of this is DACA, the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program, which is itself now controversial again. Fate of it is unclear. President went one direction, then went in a different direction. We actually don't know. Chuck and Nancy, blah, blah, blah. Right? We don't like to have it. <laughs> Uh, I looked up the Migration Policy Institute. These numbers are always hard to get your hands on, but I looked up on the Migration Policy Institute's website this morning. Uh, Dallas County has a DACA-eligible population of 42,000. It is coming up upon 20% of the state's DACA-eligible population. Um, What do you think should happen on that, on DACA? Well, we should let those individuals go through the process, become citizens, 
and become part of this wonderful uh, economy. Look, those people are making our tax revenues go up and making our streets uh, uh, more drivable, yep. making our city safer. This is an asset, not a liability. Right. And we treat it as a liability. Well, we treat it as a liability, Mr. Mayor, or it is treated, not we, but it is treated as a liability because it is said it is a magnet for additional undocumented Unlawful immigration. And the facts have shown that it's not true over the last couple of years. Right. Net migration is going the other way. Zero or below zero. And it's like, so once again, we create a problem that, that we can be uh, solved with some piece of legislation that is not uh, dealing with the real opportunities and challenges we have as a city. We're focused. The most important thing a leader can do, okay, besides set a culture, is to define the objective we want. There have been no clear objectives in the state of Texas, okay? There have been policies. There have been philosophies. And you've served as mayor of this city with two different governors, with a legislature that has looked largely the same, but there have been different people, puts and takes. You think that there is not a sufficient articulation of our goals or our policies? Not at all. Not at all. Okay. I said in Dallas we need to do four things, right. okay? And I take this from Eric Johnson, who was the mayor of, of Dallas in 1964 right. after the Nader of um, uh, the assassination when we were the city of hate. And he said, dream no small dreams. And the reason we can compete with San Antonio, with DFW now, is because he partnered with the, uh, Fort Worth right. to create that airport. Right. He said, think big. Yep. So someone asked me, he said, what do we need to think big about? Okay. First of all, we need to have the best urban education system in America. Second, that southern Dallas, which is 55% of our land ma- mass, should be growing in a faster and have a bigger tax rate than North Dallas. Third, we need to make sure that uh, we've got uh, uh, the, 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 the arts and cultural uh, experience that becomes the bucket list for everybody. We need to yep. be a creative place that people want to come. I'm so envious. Austin's done a great job of that. Okay? Uh, and then last, I want to be the business epicenter for the Western Hemisphere. Okay? It's a small little goal. But, but now, now we can measure ourselves. Did right. we make it closer to those? Okay, so by my, by my estimation, you're no on one, you're no on two, you're coming close to yes on three, and the jury's out on four. We're making progress on four. Progress. I'm going to tell you this. It's not a no, but, it's, take, but, there's, but progress. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I think. But my point is I'm willing to get out there and say yeah. that's what I get up every morning and do. Here's my goals. Here and, are my aspirations. Measure me. Kick right. me out of office or whatever. We're going to go to questions in about five minutes, but I'm going to ask the mayor some more questions. If you do have questions, we have microphones. We'll ask you to get out of your rows and, and go to the aisle. Mr. Mayor, I want to ask two questions about you personally. You have a business background, which I alluded to in my introduction of you. Uh, you're not a career politician. What does being a former CEO, somebody who ran a large corporation, do to your preparation for a job like this, different from someone who might have been a state representative or a council member? Why, what, what have you taken from your life's and work's experience that has made you uh, properly uh, situated for this job? Well, first of all, what I don't, didn't get is I didn't get uh, a lot of years with all the acronyms and all the, the inside baseball stuff. Right. Philip Kingston right. probably would have known what TRE was. Like. Yeah, exactly. Right there. Okay. He didn't know that. All right? Yeah. Exactly. So, so that's what you don't have. Right. right? What you do have is a way to lead and manage organizations. Right. You understand organizational management much better. 
and people say, well, it's different. It isn't that different. We have problems, and we've got to come up with solutions to those problems, and we've got competitors, and we've got to kick the competitors' butt. Okay? I mean, it's very similar. We just do it with everybody, and we do it in public all the time, and businesses don't. And so uh, I believe in culture. I believe in talent and in picking, you know, Susie's better than Bobby, and we got to make the call that Susie moves right. forward and Bobby doesn't. You've got to do that in business, and you need to do that in government. You know, Mr. Mayor, there's a criticism, though, of this philosophy, and it points back to the White House. Mm-hmm. We have somebody in the White House who was in business. We have somebody in the White House who actually might have said ass instead of butt in that articulation of what you just said. We have somebody who says, I hire the best people, I make deals. And so far, how's that worked out for us? Well, I think you, you're giving him much more credit of what he did in business, okay? First of all, he's, you got a, a no criticism, no criticism to real estate guys. Okay? Right. But they're not organizational managers, okay? What are they? They're, they're deal makers. They're, they're buying a house. You can go buy a house. Right. Okay? It's just a bigger house, okay? <laughs> and what do you have? Maybe 200 people in his organization? Yep. You, can, you can bring them all in for lunch. But you'll, okay? acknowledge, but you'll acknowledge that he, well, I might not want to. You, acknowledge, <laughs> you, you will acknowledge that he sold himself to the country during that campaign in part on the strength of his success as a businessman. That's what he did do. Okay. You think that was a false promise? Of course it was. He was not a successful businessman. He was the lucky sperm club that has gone bankrupt a couple of times, okay, and not really run a large organization, taken market share, and, and, and grown things, and in a, in a, he's done a good job with his brand, okay? I will True. tell you this. That brand is all over the place, and so he's, he's monetized that. But so is uh, Jay-Z, too, okay? okay? And so that doesn't mean a You waited thing. until 10.30 to drop Lucky Sperm Club and Jay-Z? <laughs> we would have had a bigger crowd, actually, if you had waited. Um, I think he would say he was part of the Lucky Sperm Club, wouldn't you? That's I mean, probably yes. I mean, he got a lot more money than we all did. Well, he did. He did. Yes, true. Okay. Um, all right. So the second question I have about you personally is, why are you a Democrat? You have been uh, now the nonpartisan mayor of the city of Dallas for six years, but it is no surprise that you're a Democrat. That is not in fashion in Texas. It is out of fashion some other places. You've come out of the business community, which is not populated by as many Democrats or Republicans, at least as many out-Democrats. My question is, why are you a Democrat? Well, I've been a Democrat uh, since I was in college. Um, and I re-ask myself that all the time as I ask myself when I go to church why I'm a Christian, okay? And to me, I'm a Democrat because I believe the objectives, the goals of the Democratic Party are one of inclusion and one that believes that we all have the chance for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the word of all is critical there. Not to be moralistic, not to make us feel good, but that's the only way the United States is going to succeed. Right? Yeah. Now, there are a lot of things about the Republicans I like, okay? a sense of accountability, being frugal, but they are not, they don't have the big picture framed okay, yep. correctly. So I stay with the big picture, and that's why I choose yep. to... I'm not sure a lot of policies that Democrats uh, uh, support are good to accomplish that. They call themselves progressives at times, and they're not very progressive. Who would you vote for in the last election, presidential election, Mr. Oh, Mayor? President Clinton. I mean, uh, uh, Secretary. <laughs> Damn, I wish that happened. 
Secretary of State. It's okay, Clinton. we'll edit that out in post. Okay. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Secretary of State Clinton. Yeah? Yeah. And with no hesitation? No hesitation. Are you sympathetic to the arguments of some in the party that you identify as your party, that the party has lost its way progressively, and that what it is offering people at the national level is Republican light, and that, like Howard Dean said in 2004, you should be from the Democratic wing of the Democratic Party? I'm going to tell you this. I am so upset with the progressives because they're not progressive. Explain. They're an, Explain. Okay. All right. We are educating our children the same way we uh, did in Prussia in the 17th century. The same way. And the Democrats will not lead this effort on changing the education. Are you talking about the teachers' union specifically? Uh, the Democratic Party? You mean the party. You're not talking the, about a subset of the party or an interest group. Well, look, I'm not seeing leadership in the party. Okay? Right. I'm not seeing, and, and there's factions of that. Right. I, I, teachers are the most important thing in this country. Yeah. Okay? But to act like all teachers are the same is probably not a smart thing to do. Yeah. But more importantly, forget about that. Yeah. It's a matter of accountability, it's not practical. Progressives should be, understand the way the world works, okay? And we're not all created the same. We all have to give the same opportunity. We all need to have the opportunity for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But that doesn't mean we're all going to get it. So how do you create progressive uh, thoughts? Right. See, what's happened, you've got, uh, um, Dostoevsky had a character say that there are two things that people really want, freedom and bread, okay? And bread means money, okay, stuff, all right? And you had the Democrats high up on the scale of freedom, okay? Free love, uh, uh, free, I can ride the bus wherever, seat in any bus. I want to, you know, have free dope. I do anything I want, okay? Free, okay? The the Republicans were all about money, okay? Let's, Let's make the bread and let's all get more of it. Now, if you look at where the public is, Nobody wants down there with zero, zero. That's like North Korea. And probably nobody wants to live in Vegas, which is all free and all about money, okay? I mean, some people do. But, but ultimately, they want to kind of have the right mix of those two things. The problem with both parties is, is the Democrats are driving down on the freedoms. Right? They're trying to regulate everything, okay, and say you can't do that. So they're losing their soul. And the Republicans, as we've seen just recently, don't care about business anymore. Yeah. Business says, this is not good for business. This actually came up in my interview with Speaker Strauss. As you know, Mr. Mayor, that a question was asked, is the Republican Party still the party of business? You know, I don't think it is. After the last eight or nine months, there's been some conversation around whether or not the policies of the state are in line with a healthy business community. You know, I asked President Obama one time, I said, uh, President all you have to do is move the Democrat Party to be more fiscally conservative, and it's game, set, and match. And you, and you got it. Okay? And he yeah. said, you're exactly right, but my party won't do that. Won't do it. So before we go to this first question over here, um, I heard you say the problem with the state is we don't have ambitious enough or aspirational enough goals. You just articulated a bunch of goals that you have for the city of Dallas. You said that the problem with the Democratic Party is that it's not doing what it ought to do. You know Mr. Mayor that the Democrats do not have a candidate for governor in the next election. Right. And you also know that it is often the mayors of this state who step up to run for statewide office. Kirk Watson in 2002 for attorney general, uh, Ron Kirk for the United States Senate, your predecessor, Bill White, for governor in 2010. 
there are people who believe that for the reasons you've articulated, you should be a candidate for statewide office next time. Will you be? I won't be, okay? Have you ruled it out completely? Well, yes, because I've got a couple issues. One is an ethical issue. I made a promise that I'm going to stay in for eight years. Yeah, right? You understand that there are a lot of people who say, by serving the state of Texas, I would be serving Dallas. I know, I've, but got, that, I've got to look out for the whole state to look out for Dallas. I understand that, but the, I didn't say I'm going to look out for the, the city of Dallas in any fashion. I said I'm going to serve that. As mayor, period. As mayor, okay? So that's issue one. Um, issue two is there's a question whether anybody can win, really. I mean, we're becoming more purple, okay? I mean, I think we're purple. We're probably kind of reddish purple right now. Right. But, but we're still more purple, all right? And the third, I've got a love affair issue, and that is my wife, okay? That just says, well, you're not going to run for governor, okay? <laughs> right? I get that. All right, all right so. So that rules it out. Sir. Regarding the Economic Stabilization Fund, uh, or what we sometimes call the Rainy Day Fund, it, it continues to grow and grow, and, and uh, some would hold that up as a trophy. But what, in your opinion, with regard to your community and, and all of Texas, what would be a good utilization for that uh, account? Representative Farrell makes a good point because the fact is it actually rained no, this right, time, yeah, yeah. right? Well, we've got to make sure we, we dig ourselves out of this uh, issue for, for southern um, Texas. Um, and I, I, I suspect that some of that money will be used for that. Uh, I don't look at it as rainy day funds, right? In business, you either give the dividends back to shareholders or you invest the money for future. And to me, it's a very simple answer, and that is education. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't have a rainy day fund, okay? But as, as uh, I think Plato said, the virtue is the mean between two vices, okay? You can have a rainy day fund. You just don't need to be as big as a rainy day fund. Right. And, but we should be thinking about what this state needs to do for 20 years past, and that's now investing that money versus letting it sit on a balance sheet and bragging about it. Sir. Mayor Rawlings, uh, I'm an investor who recently moved to Dallas about a year ago. Welcome. Uh, thanks. Uh, I've, I've loved living in the city. Uh, Where'd you it, come from? I was living in Houston beforehand. Uh, you know, one of the things that I've been struck by, so I live in uptown, uh, not, mm-hmm. you know, nice, uh, and I think recently developed uh, part of town, great access to parks and trails, incredible quality of life. Uh, as, as I've explored the city, in particular following uh, the, the events of, of last July, uh, I started attending different churches across Dallas. It was the way that uh, I, I felt like I could see diverse communities. One thing that stood out to me uh, as I went through that process is that Dallas feels more segregated than almost any city that I've ever lived in. Uh, and as I've read and learned more about the city, uh, you know, the statistic that, that really, like, struck me uh, in a deep emotional place is that there are 38% of the, the children in the city of Dallas live in poverty. So how do we make Dallas uh, a city that, you know, a city that's growing, has incredible economic potential, uh, can continue to import employ, uh, employees to, to fill jobs at, at Amazon? But, you know, how, how do we make Dallas a city that's good for everybody? Less segregated. Well, yeah, there are several things you said that I think are very important. And first of all, uh, thank you for visiting those churches, okay? Because I believe what is not talked enough about yes. any place is the importance of faith in America and faith in Texas. And it's not just one, one way to approach this thing, but as we've dealt with 
refugee issues, as we've dealt with tough issues, the faith-based community has been a major part. And, you know, I just I do the same thing. I go to churches all over the place. I rem- I'm reminded, and I've talked to African-American ministers about this all the time, that Martin Luther King said the most segregated place in America is Sunday morning in a church. For some reason, we've all kind of sorted our way out. So on that issue, that's why we've created uh, cross-sermon uh, 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 and pulpit swaps and major issues in this year of unity to accomplish that. The biggest issue, I, I, you can, sim, uh, segregation is a symptom. It's not the problem that needs to be fixed. The problem that needs to be fixed is what you said to those kids growing up in poverty. That's the issue, and that's why education is important, and that's why dealing with uh, big, bold steps on that is important. We've created the Mayor's Task Force on Poverty, and it's been in place about three years. And I was pleased to see that we're not number one in the state of Texas anymore in that metric. We're now about fourth. So we're bringing that down. But it has to do with education. It has to do with child care for those mothers, okay, that are trying to get to work. It has to do with teenage pregnancy, which is ridiculously high in some portions of this city. And it, it, it really has to do with transport. Did I say transportation? So I've done that. I've done a, another oops moment. It's okay. Um, it, transportation, because we've got to kind of get those folks to work. So we have strategies now. I'm sorry. The English as a second language is really critical as well. Yep. Because we have a lot of folks that aren't. And we've got plans in place against each of those things. It's not going to be done in four years. It's, it's going to be done over a decade. But, you know, you really think about this. You know, you say, well, my kids sure grow up fast, all right? That's the good news, too, with generational poverty. If we got those kids up to the levels and taking their SATs at the levels they could and having, we got 45,000 jobs in the Dallas area at $17.50 an hour and up that are going unfilled because we don't have people. You don't have workforce. We don't have workforce to do it, and those people could do it. So the answer is that. And, and now it starts to become more integrated, and, and now we start to really deal with a, a city together. Thank you. Good. Sir. Uh, I, too, recently moved to Dallas from overseas. Um, love Welcome. the city. Hate the state. Okay. Uh, what's it like to be a, a thoughtful, practical uh, leader in a city that's run by a bunch of lunatics uh, in, in Austin. And I mean, I don't say that lightly. Tell us o- what you over- think, actually. O- overseas, I mean, overseas, uh, I lived in Beijing, I lived in Singapore, Hong Kong, London. Overseas, everybody knows Dallas, right? They really do. And, Are you talking and, politics? That, it, that, that it's, yes. I, so it's a, the blueberry, like Rick I Crazy, sat there and I watched the blueberry Beijing, and the in Beijing right, with yeah. 40 other Chinese people. We watched the services uh, in Dallas uh, for the slain officers. Uh, and that really touched a lot of uh, people. It was a very moving, uh, well-done, proper ceremony. But the conclusions of the 40 Chinese people that were there, who I invited to come and watch, was what the hell is going on in Texas? Everybody's shooting everybody. Everybody has a gun. Nobody gets shot in Beijing. We're one of the largest cities in the world. Right. And and so you've got these you've got these you've got these sorry you just got you get these blue archipelagos of thoughtful people, uh, including in Houston and San Antonio and Austin. But you have this state government 
that is mindless. Look, and the look. people overseas <laughs> see it. I, I understand. Sorry. I understand. It's, it's, it's an issue as we try to pitch global businesses, too. There's no question. Oh, I've been in a couple of things where, where it came up, and I knew there was no chance for us to get them in Texas. You understand that the state government thinks that that stuff is a feature and not a bug. They don't see that as a liability. Well, they think that the character they're not listening to the yeah. customers. Yeah. Let's do real polls, not political polls, okay? Mm-hmm. You, I, I'm trusting the Texas people believing that, that, that we're much more uh, uh, reasoned. I think the answer to your question is, is at times challenging when policies, because I'm spending time suing the state. I have no interest in suing the state. Why I'm spending time suing the state when we got the problem with those poor kids, okay? I'd much prefer doing that, all right? But what you can't do is run around like Chicken Little that the sky is falling. Things are really good right now in, in, in Dallas-Fort Worth. We have to leverage our strengths. And we have to, when they kind of get in the middle of the road, we have to speed up and just run them over and move on, okay? And we can't go out hunting for enemies. I want to be friends and an ally with the governor and lieutenant governor as well, okay? Because there are moments that we can help each other. So I'm not looking for enemies here. I'm trying to convince us all that we all want the same thing. Right. And let's just work together to get Do you think that they want to work with you, particularly the lieutenant governor, who has called out, in his phrasing, Democrat mayors as the problem in the state of Texas right now? Uh, he has. And, uh, you know, that's why I'm not a big fan of texting and tweetering and <laughs> making the thing, because he's never said that to me in face. You know, he say, Mayor... You're the biggest problem we got in the state. Well, I, think he's, I don't think he said it on Twitter or on somebody's text. I think he said it at a press conference. No, I know. But, but say it to my face, and I don't think he would because he doesn't feel that way. I think he feels that Dallas is helping the state of Texas. That's just political noise. Ma'am. Uh, Mr. Mayor, good morning. I also recently moved to Dallas last summer. All right. And, um, Loving this. Right, this panel presented by the yeah. Convention and Visitors Bureau. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like it. It's a nice place to live. Um, but it's no secret that uh, the rent is too damn high. Yeah. Um, and as, as the saying goes. He, right. Yeah, so um, I have a good job, and I want to live in Dallas proper, and um, I know that I have peers that also want to li- have an urban lifestyle, um, but it seems that we have to make a choice between an urban lifestyle, safety, and affordability, and why can't Throw we Throw schools have- in there when you, get, when you get married and have a kid, maybe, right. you know. Okay. Why can't we have all three of those things? Why can't we feel safe, pay, live in an urban area, and have affordable housing? Well, it's a nice utopian vision of the way the world works. It's not going to work that way, as San Francisco and New York and downtown Chicago shows. Do we have to work harder in affordable housing? No question. It is our biggest strategic issue as we attract people like you because we're going to you're going to start to go someplace else if we don't have that place so the marketplace says it's a, it's something we've got to deal with i think that an urban environment is going to be um probably on the higher side okay versus living in the rural side that's just the way that real estate economics work but we can build more what i'm calling um, workforce housing, meaning people that come and want to live and work in Dallas. And so we've got a new city manager, 
and we're creating a whole new plan on, on exactly that. So your point's well taken. Uh, uh, my daughter's in that same situation, okay? And she, she has to move around because the rents are so much, and I don't like to see that. And, and safety is a big component of that as well. Right. So as uh, Bill Clinton said, I feel your pain, okay? I, I do. Um, I'm afraid that we're out of time, and I apologize to the people who have been waiting for questions. We've got another session coming in here. We've all got to get off to other things. Wonderful of the mayor to join us today, to come down I-35 to be at this festival. Please give Mayor Mike Rawlings Thank you, a Evan. big hand. Thank you to all of you. Enjoy the rest of the day. Thank you. Hey.